Good morning, church. Uh, the church building and the tomb are both empty this morning, but God is alive. He is risen. I'm Pastor Steve. Thank you so much for joining us to celebrate the event that changed eternity as we begin this morning. Look at this video that portrays John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9 with me. John 20, 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. On that first Easter morning, neither Peter nor John understood from the scriptures what the resurrection of Jesus meant. But when John saw the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, folded up and separate from the linen that wrapped Jesus' body, he believed. Jesus was alive. The man who emptied a grave and called Lazarus out who had been dead for four days just set a new world record. He did it in three Praise God, Jesus lives. In the days following the resurrection, the scriptures must have come alive. John and the rest of the disciples would see Jesus' life, death, and resurrection totally transformed. Have you ever recollected an event or series of behaviors and then thought, Oh, now I get it. After something happened, maybe your, your spouse or your girlfriend was spending more time on their phone and, and being a little secretive, and it only made sense after the surprise birthday party occurred. Sometimes you even get to confirm it, right? Uh, you say to your spouse or your, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that's why your phone was blowing up with so many texts this past week. I was beginning to wonder, actually, who you were talking to, but you were getting RSVPs from the party, weren't you? The light bulbs must have come on for months, if not years, after Jesus was raised from the dead. Each time the disciples read the scriptures or remembered something that Jesus had said or done, it must have taken on a brand new significance. As you read John's gospel, 
you can see that Holy Week itself was infused with new meaning after the resurrection. The apostle John looked back at the scriptures and it changed how he saw everything from the previous week. Everything that Jesus said, everything that had happened to him, he saw through new eyes. Because we've been focusing on John's gospel throughout Lent, I wanted to kind of take a look back through Holy Week and highlight some of the things that John only saw after the resurrection. Because God is always at work, but oftentimes what he's doing in the moment is only clearly seen in hindsight. So on this unique uh, online Easter Sunday, uh, let's look at a few insights that John had after the resurrection. Insight number one, John sees from the scriptures a deep connection between Jesus and Passover. The days leading up to Jesus' death were also the days leading up to Passover. And Passover, if you remember, uh, is when the Jews remembered that the Spirit of the Lord passed over the Israelite homes and only took the lives of the Egyptians' firstborn sons. It was the final plague that brought Pharaoh and the Egyptians to their knees. Everyone wanted the Messiah to be another Moses who would free them from Roman occupation. And God sent the people Moses because God had heard their cries and acted on their behalf. Pharaoh finally let them go. They were no longer slaves. In Jesus' day, Israel wanted God to do it again. Well, the Pharisees did not see Jesus as a modern-day Moses. Jesus was not going to go to the emperor and say, let my people go. After the resurrection, John would see from the scriptures that Jesus was, in fact, a modern-day Moses, but in a different way. Jesus came to deliver people from slavery to sin and death. Jesus went to the ruler of this world, the strong man, as he's called in Scripture, our enemy, Satan, bound him up and set all free who call on the name of the Lord. Amen. That's good news. I find one thing that John highlights in his gospel totally fascinating. Remember when Moses told the people of Israel to take some blood from the Passover lamb and put it on the top and the sides of their door frames. The blood on the door frame was the actual sign to the destroyer to pass over that home and not take anyone's life inside. It was the blood that saved their lives. Do you remember the type of branch the people were supposed to use to apply that blood to their door frames? It's like Jeopardy. <laughs> you ready? The answer is, what is hyssop? A hyssop branch. Look with me at John 19, 29. 
A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. As John wrote his gospel after the resurrection, he could have just said, you know what? They used a stick to bring this wine to Jesus. He could have said they used a stalk from a plant. But John specifically says after the resurrection that they used a hyssop stick to hold the blood of the grape, which was what wine was called. Even something as small as a branch points to Jesus as God's chosen deliverer. The blood of Jesus shed on a wooden frame in the presence of a hyssop branch. His blood was poured out so that death might lose its hold on us. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. You are saved. John looks back on Good Friday and sees from the scriptures that the Messiah had to die and shed his blood. Jesus was a different type of deliverer than Moses, but hyssop was present at the scene when God saved his people from death. John also sees from the scriptures a deeper connection that we've kind of already implied. Jesus was actually the Passover lamb. John records John the Baptist's words early in his gospel. Look at John 1.29. The next day, John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There were instructions, if you remember, concerning the Passover lamb that was to be slain and eaten. Look at Exodus 12 with me. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, these are the regulations for the Passover meal. It, including the lamb, must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. You remember late on Good Friday, John 19, 32 through 33, The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Jesus was, in fact, the sacrificial lamb, one without blemish or broken bones. John would never celebrate Passover again and not see Jesus in the scriptures. His blood, the blood of the lamb, provided provided the final sacrifice that atoned for our sin once and for all. It was finished. Insight number two. John sees from the scriptures that even during Holy Week, Jesus is king. That's not just the title that Jesus earned after the resurrection. He is the king of kings and lord of lords, amen? But John looks back and sees that during Holy Week, Jesus was actually portrayed as a king. 
and the events that appear to be happening to Jesus, almost against his will, there are kingly images. Jesus, for example, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey like a king. The people shouting, blessed be the king of Israel. I know those are kind of obvious. But what about when Pilate interrogates Jesus and Jesus refers to his kingdom? John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pilate is seen as recognizing Jesus as king. Verse 37, Pilate said, you are a king. Jesus responded, you say, I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate acknowledges Jesus as king, but the one who has done nothing to deserve death, he does not bow down to or release. Instead, giving in to the will of the crowds, he hands Jesus, the king, over to be flogged. And after Jesus is flogged, he emerges with a crown on his head. Yes, it is a crown of thorns, but a king needs a crown. And after John sees the resurrection, he sees that Jesus was wearing the perfect crown for the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Not only does Jesus have a crown on his head after the flogging, but he emerges wearing purple, the color of royalty. Jesus was not the king they expected, but in hindsight, Jesus sees that even during Holy Week, John sees that even during Holy Week, Jesus was portrayed as a king, the king sent on a rescue mission by the Father. Jesus said when he was alive before his crucifixion that he would lay down his life and that no one had the authority to take it from him. In other words, even during Holy Week, things were going just as God had planned. Jesus was not a helpless victim. He is laying down his life. And Easter morning, the reason we celebrate is that Jesus rose a victor over the grave, not a victim. He was lifted up and glorified as a king. And these images only made sense after the resurrection. It was in the scriptures the entire time. Here's another. As Jesus was being lifted up on the cross, Pilate places a notice above him which reads, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It's written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. That notice proclaimed Jesus as king of the world in every language. The Pharisees, if you remember, reject, object, and they want it changed to read that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. But Pilate says, what I have written, I have written. In other words, it stays, and it proclaims what no one thought 
was true in the moment. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his kingdom is not of this world. His mission was to deliver the people of Israel, not from the Romans, but from their sins. His mission was to draw all people to himself. The good shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. Sheep that were not of the people of Israel, that were from another sheepfold, have just been notified in their own language. That, on on the cross, right there, that is your king. Jesus, who is dressed in purple, wearing a crown of thorns, high and lifted up, proclaimed as the king of the Jews, died on what we know as Good Friday. And after his death, John later sees Jesus was given a king's burial. Look at John 19, 38 through 42 with me. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb which, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So Joseph of Arimathea asked for Jesus' body. Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to embalm Jesus' body. That, my friends, is a king's load of spices. These high-ranking religious officials personally attend to Jesus' burial and place him in a tomb that has never been used. It was almost like the tomb was cut for a king. There's even a garden present. This was not a common man's burial that John describes to us. John sees in hindsight that it was a burial for a king. John, Peter, and the rest of the disciples begin to see from the scriptures. Jesus wasn't the king that they wanted. He was the king the world needed. God is always and has always been at work. But what he's doing in the moment is often only clearly seen in hindsight. Based on John 20, 1 through 9, where Peter and John raced to the tomb, John could have believed that Jesus was raised from the dead and never gone any further in his faith. Matthew's gospel, for instance, records that the guards went and told the Pharisees that Jesus was alive again. And the Pharisees believed that Jesus was alive. They had seen Jesus do it before. Lazarus was alive. They never debated that Jesus was alive. They didn't 
see or learn from the scriptures, however, that Jesus was the Messiah, their king. Instead, the Pharisees pay the guards to spread a story that the disciples came and stole Jesus' body. They persist in their unbelief. The scriptures specifically, the Old Testament, help John and the rest of the disciples understand what God accomplished in Christ. He bore our sin. He died our death so that we might have life now and for all eternity with him. But throughout time, so many people have persisted in unbelief. They read these words and hear the apostles' testimony and either aren't convinced or they're not willing to see Jesus Christ as their Savior and their King. Some of them even believe in God. Some of them, I would venture to guess, would even say that they believe Jesus is God's Son and that he was raised from the dead. But they refuse to follow him as their Lord and Savior. I wish this morning that I could come up with some like bulletproof argument that would convince every single person that is listening to my voice that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that on this day he is risen. I wish I could teach you That as you show people Jesus, that people would see in you the risen Lord and that they would accept him as their savior. But you know what? A lot of people, a lot smarter than me, have tried to come up with such an argument. I believe it comes down to knowing Jesus. It comes down to knowing your own heart, that you and I need a Savior, a Deliverer, and that God heard the cry of our heart, and he didn't send Moses. He sent Jesus. So this morning, I'm not going to try to convince you with a bulletproof argument that he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I just want to pray with you that God's Spirit would speak to your heart, that as we celebrate the resurrection this day, that you would be convinced from the Scriptures in your heart and from the Spirit of the living Lord that Jesus is King. So let's pray together. Would you bow in? Jesus, we give you thanks that you are alive. And Holy Spirit, as, as we... <laughs> We celebrate this day. We couldn't gather in this building to celebrate your resurrection. And God, there is something in us that just misses being together. But our hearts are united as followers of Jesus by you this morning. You are alive and you are at work in us. So God, we pray this morning that as we talk to people, as we text, as we call, as we FaceTime, as we connect in ways that God are are new for some of us, we pray that your spirit would work through our testimony, 
that your spirit would speak and continue to speak through your word, which is living and active, and convince God the world that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you have the power to raise the dead. You were the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Your blood was more precious, God, than the than the perfume that Mary poured on your feet. You shed your blood that we might live. So God, may your spirit work in our hearts this morning. May we see your life. May we may receive the gift that you offered us, that our sins might be forgiven and that we might live in the knowledge of your Son, now and for all eternity. And all God's people said, Amen.